J.T. Crowley is Talking Books. On this show, you'll hear from emerging talent and seasoned veterans from around the world. They'll give you their take on the writing process and how to create the secret sauce of page-turning deliciousness. Let's get into that magical mixture of the art and science of creativity. Here's J.T. Crowley, author of The Smart Kids and your podcast host. Hello everyone, I'm J.T. Crowley and I'm so delighted today to have a new author for you to come on the show. And this is David Ellis. And it's about his book, Naughty Nonsense, Luciferous Limericks. And it's a very humorous book, everybody, believe you me. And what we're going to do is read a few of the limericks, the poems, the free verses that are in this book. And they're very brief, a lot of them, but there's a story behind them. They're very humorous. Some of them are um, a little, um, how shall we say, risque. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, anybody with a sense of humor is just going to love this book. But I just wanted to give you a little bit of introduction about what David Ellis, you know, where he came from, what he does. So Davis Ellis has, from an early age, been a fan of British comedy, especially Frankie Howard and the Carry On crew. And for those of us of certain age, we know all about those films, and they certainly were risky as well. And their influence can be seen in his various selection of his comic verses of over 50 years. He works as an English teacher in England, where he sought to encourage creative writing and an appreciation of literature, including poetry. Well known in the United Kingdom and Australia as a chess player, he has been West of England, Cornish, Kent and three times West Australian champion. He has competed in a number of Australian open and closed championships with the best result equal third. He has also regularly coached young players, including a to be British champion. He's been chess columnist for the West Australian newspaper for more than 24 years and in 2001 received the Australian Chess Federation Medal for outstanding work as a chess correspondent. The year after, receiving the Queen's Australian Sports Medal. He plays piano and has been in demand as an accompanist in collaboration with a junior choir. He recorded a 45 EP and for those of us can still remember what EPs are. (laughs) And years later, recorded two CDs. And again, yes, a lot of us can still remember what CDs are with the soprano Wilhelmine Falken. His father to two children. His son is a champion ultramarathon runner, while his daughter has competed in a number of triathlons as well as successfully representing Western Australia in both the girls' and women's chess teams. So there you go, everybody. That's a little bit about David. So, David, come and join me on the show to talk about this. Oh, very humorous book. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a pleasure, John. Glad to speak to you, yes. <laughs> so, David, um, you know, writing has come to you, well, you, you've, you've done literature all your life, but this is your first book, isn't it? It is. It was a COVID um, isolation that got me to put my verses together and create a lot newer ones, and I thought, oh, put them into a book, Yes. Did you laugh a lot when you were writing these verses? Hmm? Did, Did you I... laugh a lot when you were writing these verses? Well, I smiled a lot. <laughs> I don't think I actually can afford it at all. No. <laughs> so what we're going to do, everybody, is uh, there's, there's a lot of little, um, you know, comic verses, uh, humorous verses, limericks, uh, lit poems. So 
what we're going to do is that uh, David and I are going to read some for you and we'll just very ask Dave, briefly, David, what they were about, um, just to give you a flavour of what this uh, book is. And as you can see from in the background, you can see the poster there. This is just going to be one uh, roller coaster of a laugh and a ride, everybody. Brace yourself. <laughs> David, could you do me the great pleasure of reading to us Sexy Shorts? Right, one of the verses from Sexy Shorts. One, yeah. A, sec- a sex-hungry farm girl named Kay would take a new lover each day when they said, you're a sinner. She replied, no, a winner. Every time I leap in the hay. <laughs> and of course, the um, the illustration there is is quite um, well poignant. Put it that way. It's that one. Yes. Yes. <laughs> So I'm going to, one of my other favourite ones here, everybody, was um, Susie. Um, no, actually, yes, was Susie. And it's, it's wonderful, everybody. So I'm just going to read it very quickly. A gin-sodden old woman called Susie was known as the neighbourhood floozy. She said, any bloke can give me a poke at my age one cannot be choosy. <laughs> Where did this come from in your head, these uh, little... <laughs> yes, all right, yes. Well, I'll, I'll go on if you like. What about, Desmond. Um, what about Desmond? Right. Young Desmond said, I must confess, I love to be seen in a dress. <laughs> Had panties and bra, and I think I'm a star. So please, can you call me Princess? <laughs> I now this one is I just love this one, everybody. This is Danny. I an excited male virgin called Danny was keen to explore the girl's fanny. When he reached out his hand to feel for her gland, he discovered that she was a tranny. <laughs> Right. Okay, I'll go on. Well, yes. Shall we go on? Let's go to um, Jenny. Alcohol. Yes. Yes. This is a section on alcohol. Yes. A social young lady named Jenny was forever spending a penny. The reason is clear. She loves to drink beer, and it's not just a few. No, it's many. <laughs> You know, as I said, I think you must have thoroughly enjoyed doing these because let's, let's go to Lou here, you know, again on mm. the, um, the alcohol one. Said that passionate beer maker Lou, who was wrapped with his latest home brew. You could ignore all the rest. This is really the best. And I'm sure you will all think so too. Where did you come from, that little one from? Were you in a bar one night? You... I just <laughs> I don't know. A lot of a lot of them were um, doing it in groups, where I picked picked out the people in the group and made a and made a poem about them. Sometimes they might be relevant to the person's character, very often not. But anyway, 
So, ah, here's one. I have a French, I have a French um, son-in-law. I don't know if that inspired me, but uh, here we are. Je suis sexy, said dashing Pierre. See how chic are the clothes that I wear. He then flounced down the street, tripped over his feet, and suffered a sore derriere. <laughs> it's actually bruised in the book, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Do you share these stories, um, David, when you go on your chess uh, outings? Do you entertain everybody with these stories? I have done a few, and um, yes, but more, I did them in a, I was at a recreation uh, group, and we had to produce a magazine, so I did a, I did limericks about uh, some of the, some of the friends uh, um, from the group, so yes, um, so here's, here's one. Um, can I just do, can I do Vicky? Yes, can I read this is under the food one, everybody. Said a fastidious eater called Vicky, when offered some tea with a Vicky, nice digestive, Marie, they do nothing for me, so excuse me for being so picky. <laughs> um, I, I do have a, a section on alcohol, and I've got one on music, so I didn't know which one this should go to, but here we are. Go with it. Um, at the church... At the church, gifted, gifted pianist Hugh, a sizable audience drew, but he came on so pissed, he messed up his friends' list and puked over all the front pew. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so I think you know. Do you think you know when you were a teacher, David? That. Um, you know, back in your um, earlier days, if, you know, you, you loved poetry. Did you read poetry to the children in school? Uh, yes, and I, I got them to um, produce their own as well. So, yes. Uh, that was I mean, poetry is a specialist area, uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned. Mm. I think, you know, for you either love poetry or you don't. You either get it or you don't. Because there are many formulas, many versions here. There's free verse, there's rhyming, there's all sorts of formulas. Yes, yes. Isn't there? Um, so how long have you loved doing poetry? I think, I think from, um, from about the age of about seven, I think. Um, I, had, I had time on my hands reading. I had... Um, me's encyclopedia as a child, and uh, there would be a lot of poem, poems in there, and I would read them. I, I loved Lewis Carroll, and mm. I, learned to, I learned the poem The Walrus and the Carpenter while I was at primary school for 18 verses, I believe, and I think I can still remember it. <laughs> yes, but... Because when you were seven, uh, when you were a child, you, you were born on the, um, the Silly Isles, you know, the, the, big, the big island of St. Mary's, weren't you? Yes, that's correct, yes. And, of course, you were yes. there after the World War Two. so that's, you know, so you'd have mm -hmm. been on the beaches, uh, walking on the beaches uh, and enjoying the scenery there. 
So did you actually, as a child, you know, did you read books? Did you, um, you know, read poetry then? Did you sit on the beaches there, you know, enjoying the, the waters lapping on the shores and just sitting there reading? No, no, I, I did my reading at home. I didn't. <laughs> um, I have done reading at, at the beach, but that's more in my adult life. Uh, in yeah, I mean... So, yes, I mean, you um, you were born here in the United Kingdom. You were born in the Scilly Isles. Um, you, you taught in various places in you know the UK, England, Sheffield, all around those sorts of places. Did you enjoy teaching kids? Did you enjoy, you know, teaching them literature? Yes. Yes, I did. Yes, it was quite a joy, yes. And uh, um, when you've got some enthusiasm in the class, which... Hopefully, I got most of the time. It was quite a delight. Because you went out um, to uh, Australia, didn't you, when you were in your early 30s? Yes. yes. Um, to, I'll give me your front here, but you went out, you know, followed for romance. It didn't quite work out. But you stayed in Australia. Do you love Australia? I do love Australia, yes. And um, I never never wanted to leave it but i must admit when i was back in england for holidays i didn't want to leave england either <laughs> because you're on the western side of australia you're from perth aren't that's you perth that's right yes yes in the big state of western australia yes big mining state yeah because when when you look at australia everybody yes so you're there you're on perth and just to get to Sydney is about a seven or eight hour flight, isn't it? Or something about like five, that. Five, yes. It's about the same distance as London to Moscow, I think. Yes. And I think, you know, you know, we get a lot of over Australian politics over here as we watch that. And so I want to come to the, the section that you've put around politics here, David. Right. Okay. And I want, you've got several quotes from politicians here, but for me, one stood out, and that was Julia Gillard. Now, she was the Labour Prime Minister from 2010 to 2013, and she was the only woman to become the Australian Prime Minister. You know, And her plans to introduce a mining tax in 2012 caused an outcry from the mining industry. And, of course, she's famous for saying, standing up in the, the Australian Parliament and saying, if you want to know what a misogynist looks like, <laughs> to the opposition leader, she said that. Just look in the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yes, yes. But the little ditty you've got about her here is my mining my mining tax, said ex PM Julie, made all the rich miners unruly. Twiggy and Gina could not have been meaner, and that was the end of yours truly. <laughs> Yes, a favourite of mine, one of my favourites, is uh, Malcolm Turnbull. Tell us about Malcolm. um, He was a rather liberal leading in a conservative government. Um, He was, I think, a millionaire or a billionaire, possibly. He'd been in, oh, he was a lawyer. He was a banker uh, and a barrister, wasn't he? Banker, that's right, and a barrister, Mm. that's correct. But um, he lost his popularity in the polls, these opinion polls, not elections. So he got sacked by the party. 
So here we are. Mr. Harborside Mansion is glum. That was a nickname for him. Who's that, you may ask? It's Malcolm. A sustained rating drop saw him given the chop. So he now sits at home on his bum. <laughs> <laughs> this book, everybody, is full of all this stuff. Um, you know, it's hilarious. It's comical. And it's certainly, when I looked at this book, it made me laugh so much. And as you can see, the banter that David and I are having, we're just laughing at this because this is what this book is about. It's a humorous book. There are, you know, a lot of these um, comic verses have just put a, a, a wonderful smile on your face. So it's well worth getting this book, everybody. Um, David, let's move on a little bit from the short little uh, ditties you've got here. And um, could you care to read On Hot Weekends and tell us what was this one about? Right. It's really, um, I can find it. It's, um, it's really a grumpy, grumpy old man's opinion of the beach. Do we know any of them? So, I think. <laughs> I think there was a television series of, of, about them. This might have inspired me. But um, this, this is On Hot Weekends. On hot weekends in our, this sun-kissed land, we flock in droves to our fine white sand. And it's into the water for a dip, but be careful, you avoid the rip. And that's not all we have to fear. White pointers might be lurking near. The jellyfish and sandflies sting, and sea seagulls steal the food we bring. Now, if you want to take a nap, don't forget the slip, slop, slap, or you'll be burnt from head to feet and feel exhausted from the heat. A cafe then with ocean view. You'll wait for hours in the queue. And you'll so wish you had thought twice when you sit down and see the price. So when it's hot, I do not roam, but stay in air-conditioned room with beer and telly. That's the ticket. Watching the flannel fools play cricket. So, <laughs> um, I don't know if there's any words that aren't familiar. A rip is a kind of uh, underground current. In fact, the first swim I ever had in WA at the beach, I got caught in a rip, and I was trying to get back to back to back to the land, and I I wasn't making any headway. So I thought. I'll just take a breather a bit, tread water, get my breath back. Next thing I know, a lifeguard comes out and rescues me. That's a silly and old white... bum. <laughs> and well, white pointers are, of course, are the, are the large um, large sharks growing yeah. up to about five metres, which have killed uh, dozens of Australians over the many years, so... And the slip slop slap was a government a government scheme to get people to put put sunscreen, um, sunscreen on because yes. Australia is the melanoma capital of the world. <laughs> Indeed, it yes. is the ozone layer. Yes, I, I liked um, this one, and I'm going to read it. Um, it's called um, an Aussie mate. Everybody, Jack's furrowed brow creased in a frown. 
The bloody telly's broken down. The footy game we cannot view. Now what the hell is there to do? I looked around through the air of gloom and saw in the corner of his room an old chess set, perhaps his son's. I've seen a way we still have fun. That's if you can play the game. Though I'm none too sure. It needs a brain. Ah, bloody ha. I'm no one's fool. At chess, I was the best in school. So, if it is game you're seeking, let's go ahead. You'll cop a beating. For Jack and me, our friendship long was spiced by competition strong. For we played each other countless times at tennis, golf and other games. But never did we ever guess we'd sit down to a game of chess. I held two pawns. He picked the black, giving me first chance to attack. My skillful play, such were my hopes, would soon have Jack on the ropes. And, faced with my superior game, this braggart will be put to shame. With copious supply of beer to drink, to oil our brains to help us think, each searching for a winning plan, we strove to find the better man. Taunts and jeers whose motivation sought to ruin concentration. Oh, us two foes had no effect, as we attempted to select the moves that would surely bring about the rival's army's utter outrout. The game progressed, move after move, and desperately I tried to prove that I was by far the better man, and Jack was just an also ran. But then I sensed my plans were failing. Sadly, my bright hopes were fading. And with my forces dissipated, the likelihood of being mated. Now, don't you laugh. It's no joke to lose to that obnoxious bloke. I searched and searched, but I could not find a move to stop the rot. Till finally my concentration lit a spark of inspiration. There was one chance a trap had set. It fall right in. On that I'd bet. My strongest piece moved to attack bringing in a swift reply from Jack. His gloating smirk was plainly seen as he reached out and snatched my queen. The game is up. Accept your fate. You're a beaten man, so give up, mate. No, Jack, I smiled. Our little war has culminated in a draw, and we must both accept our fate. Your final move produced stalemate. Jack got up and without a word swept all the pieces from the board, and as they clattered to the floor, he pointed me towards the door. I left and thought, such a shame, our friendship ruined a stupid game. The days went by, I felt so blue. It seemed that nothing I could do could break the deadlock or could mend the mateship with my erstwhile friend. But now, weeks later, I can report, we're back together playing sport. With confidence, there won't be another rift twixt Jack and me. But there's one game, I must confess, remains off limit, and that's chess. This is you and your chess, isn't it? Yes, it is a bit, yes. Um, there's a sense of humour to me sometimes, yes. Um, but um, I can, of course, be uh, much more serious. And an inspirational tale I found from the UK recently um, was that of Sir Tom... Captain Tom. Moore. Yeah. Captain Tom, yes. Um, Going to read his little ditty? I'll read it. Yes, it's called Hero. Like thousands of his countrymen, he fought bravely during his nation's struggle against an evil foe. 
enduring the privations and dangers of the battlefield. But you will not find his name among the few we call our war heroes. But he is a hero, remembered not for leading an attack, nor rallying his outnumbered men to hold off the fearsome enemy hordes, nor rescuing wounded colleagues under fire. He was not a hero on the sporting field, standing out among his team, or as an individual performing with such brilliance, winning cups and medals for a success-hungry nation. He was not strong in body, nor muscled and fleet of foot. He did not climb mountains. He did not swim seas or sail the world alone. He was not flung beyond the far horizons of space. He did not endure persecution, imprisonment of tor or torture. But he is a hero. Aged and infirm, he summoned all the strength of his ancient feeble body to walk, not the length of a country, but just that of his small garden. For three dogged weeks, he shuffled up and down, up and down that short, restricted area, with walking frame his sole companion. Hour after hour, day after day, he plodded on, striving to raise 1,000 pounds for his country's health. But news of his endeavours could not be contained, his quest winning the plaudits of an, of an admiring world a world bedeviled and frightened by a hideous plague, donations pouring in from far and wide, 33 million pounds to fight this insidious, invisible foe, donations to honour this old man, this legend, this hero. Please always remember, he said, tomorrow will be a good day. Summoned to attend the Queen, a sword gently tapping his shoulder. I knight thee, Sir Tom Moore. His hundredth year attained. Sadly, he too was taken by this worldwide scourge. But he will be remembered. Sir Tom, hero. And when that good tomorrow comes, we shall still remember. Sir Tom, hero. It's a wonderful um, story. And of course, it's based on Sir Captain, you know, Sir Tom Moore, isn't it? Yes, yes. Yes, I find it very inspiring. And uh, it, it moves me each time I, I read that story. Yes. And when you look at the photograph, uh, David, in the book, there you've got the Queen knighting him in Windsor Castle and the gardens mm. there and himself. And of course, you now look at it, and neither of them are here anymore. That's true. Yes, yes. It's a it's wonderful photograph. Wonderful piece. Yeah. Yes. And you know, so, and I think a lot of people can learn for what he did. You know, he did small little things, but he did them very graciously, and he, you know. He showed us that, yes, there will be a new tomorrow and, you know, when all this COVID was going on. Mm. And, of course, the Queen said that when she, she addressed the nations. There will be a better today, better mm. tomorrow. We will meet again. Of course, yes. coming from the, the song, um, the Birolin song, we will meet again. 
you know, mm. from the World yes. War Two. Yes. But I, I want to um, go to, if you don't mind, read the one about a silly childhood memory, memory the Isles of Silly, because this is where you came from. So my childhood before going to the mainland of Cornwall to attend secondary school was spent in St Mary's, the largest of the Isles of Silly, pronounced Silly. Um, no, 28 miles from Land's End, Cornwall, an idyllic place to live, especially for children enjoying their summer holidays from school. The year was 1947, when I was seven years old, provided a particularly warm and dry summer, giving day by day sunny weather to enjoy. However, the words of the poet Henry Wadsworth, Longfellow, immortalised in song from the ink spots with Ella Fitzgerald, into each life some rain must fall, are pertinent to the following verses. So I'm going to read this, everybody. I was born on the Silly Isles off Britain's far southwest. You may think the name sounds funny, but those islands, they're the best. Spelt silly. To remember, here's the key. There is a sea in Silly, and Silly's in the sea. Very good. Now, the summer of 47 was such a wondrous time. The opportunity it gave us boys to run about and climb. The trees go fishing or riding on our bikes to take dips in the ocean and enjoy long country hikes. My mother runs a village shop, selling cigarettes and sweets. She knows each customer by name and each she warmly greets. In summer, there's a constant flow of customers each day for my mother's homemade ice cream. Could not be beat, they say. And often, when the sun was hot, I'd be running round the town and popping for vanilla cone to help to cool me down. I'd come home tired and dusty, as happy as I could be. And when I saw my granny, I asked her, what's for tea? Whatever was put before me would quickly disappear. And when dessert was offered, I scoffed that up, no fear. But some days I want to change from hectic times with mates. I'd rather wander down to the quayside where my granddad's boat awaits. He was a strong and burly man, but kind of full of smiles. His boat, the Nor-Nor, would ferry goods to and from the smaller isles. On a short trip to St Martin's, where my old granddad was born, he took me with him for a walk into the little town. And there I saw, to my surprise, after he'd walked a while, all dressed up in their Sunday best, the folk of the small isle. We were going to a wedding in church. We sat in pews and I noticed the boys who looked so smart in clean shirts and polished shoes. But for me, I had no shirt, no tie, no shoes upon my feet, just a pair of grubby shorts, which I wore in the summer heat. I imagined the congregation on me, their eyes did train, and I shrank as small as I could be, filled with embarrassed pain. And after church, the wedding feast, more misery did bring. Delicious food was piled sky high, but I could hardly eat a thing. The jollity went on and on. The end, then it would come, when I would get back on the boat and finally reach home. And when we did at last return onto St Mary's Quay, standing there before us, my mother I did see. No pleasant greeting welcomed me as she grabbed me by the ear. The angry look upon her face made me quake with fear. He should have been home hours ago. I've been searching high and low that he was in your keeping. Off that I didn't know. The smacks rayed down upon my legs and my tears flowed in a flood. My granddad tried to intervene, but didn't do any good. The fault, it was entirely mine, so bent your rage on me. But his words on her had no effect as she ignored his plea. Then miserable, sore and hungry, I were ordered to my bed. 
The memories of that sad day remain inside my head, but the details of my escapade and that long distant time have given me this opportunity to share my tale in rhyme. It's beautiful, isn't it? <laughs> it is a memory. <laughs> it's your little childhood, a day of your yes. childhood on your home territory of St. Mary's yes. in the Silly Isles. Mm-hmm. It. It's wonderful. Um, David, um, what's next? Do you have any more books coming down the line? You know, what's next for you and your writing? Because this book is amazing. Well, everybody. I've laughed well, and laughed. I, I am over 80 and I, I think perhaps my, uh, I'm not sure I can go through the effort to do anything more, but I, I do keep, occasionally ideas come to me and I do, do jot down in a, a few more lyrics. <laughs> Um, would you like to hear what my, the last one I've done? Yeah, Just do the last one. Seconds. Yeah, it's not in the book, is it? No, it's not in the book. All right, here's a surprise, uh, everyone. Yes, um, if I can remember it, let's think. Um, so, said a limerick writer named Dave, it's fortune and fame that I crave. I'm much better than Lear, but I'll end up, I fear, poor an unknown in my grave. Very good. <laughs> David, who do you see, you know, as reading your books? Who do you want to read your book? This humorous book, you know, of comic verses? I, I think it's it's any, anybody who like, likes humour and anybody who's not prudish. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> because I, I don't... Yes, so that's <laughs> it. Uh, age doesn't mean much. Um, whether you're you're a man or a woman, it's. I, I would hope it would appeal to both, and um, obviously one has to be of a certain age to start. <laughs> it's a little mm-mm for children, but once you're an mm. adult, yes. <laughs> Where can people get your book, David? Um. It's in a number of uh, a number of the top um, book booksellers sell the book, um, including Amazon and that. But the, um, the my publishers are um, ex libris, um, and uh, but as I say, I've looked through Google and I, I found the book is available on a great great many um, book bookstores online. Yes, certainly. Yes. There you go, everyone. David Ellis, it's been wonderful to chat with you, to get to know you over the last few weeks and to read this hilarious, humorous book. <laughs> it put a smile on my face to read these, um, oh, yes, intriguing verses. <laughs> and the illustrations are quite good for some of them as well. Um, but I just want to say, David, thank you very much for coming on the show. I've thoroughly enjoyed your book. And... As I say at the end of all my podcasts, everybody, I'm JT Crowley. Thanks for listening, watching, wherever you are in the world. Until next time, stay safe. <laughs>